Welcome to The Fully Lived Life, a podcast for those who are longing to pursue the full life and want to break free from anything that holds them back. Listen in as two friends, a psychologist, Dr. Mary, and a life coach, Jillian, talk about life, love, and purpose through the lens of faith, science, psychology, and life experiences. Well, hello, Mary. Hello, Jillian. Look at you with the glasses. I love it. You know what? So this is aging. <laughs> okay. <laughs> These are like the blue light reading glasses. Oh, are they? They're like the double whammy. Okay. Not only do you need reading glasses, but you get eye strain from uh-huh. the computer. So right. now you need blue light. Well, I'm just admiring the fact that they match <laughs> your jacket. Oh, thank you. You know, that was clearly intentional. <laughs> Not. Yeah. So this, you know, getting old thing, it's just like, ah. <sighs> uh, I know. I know. I keep trying to remember that there are many <laughs> pearls of wisdom that comes from getting older. Yeah, but when you're, you know, your ophthalmologist says to you, oh, it's just aging. I know. You're like, oh. I know. Seriously? Well. Well, I'm glad it was just aging, but at the same time. Like, yeah, I know. You know. Yeah. And, and by the way, folks, I just had my <laughs> tooth pulled. So my mouth sounds a little garbly. That's why. Because again, aging. Aging. Yeah. Like where our eyes start... <laughs> Failing us, our teeth are falling out, like our hair's going gray. What's next? I know, right? <laughs> All we can do is laugh about it. Oh and my wine. Gosh. We're whining a little well, bit. Well, we are too, doing okay? that too. We had a whole whining session before we started this podcast. Exactly, because we gotta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I need someone to commiserate with. Exactly. You know? So, tell me what we're talking about today. Well, we're talking about true connection. Ooh. I know. Well, it's because I, you know, deep thoughts. <laughs> deep. Deep thoughts under the anesthetic. That's right. <laughs> I wasn't under. I wish I was. I kept being told I should a- ask for that last yeah. gas. No, I was just had needles. Oh, because you're too strong. No, they wouldn't give it to me. Uh, why don't they give I you the laughing gas I here? I don't know. They figured I'd be just enduring it. And I, and I did. Okay. Okay. So anyway, we digress. So I was having a conversation about friendships with a group of younger friends, which, by the way, I've decided I am having younger friends. Well, we have to. <laughs> because, you know, they got to outlive me. I don't want to hang out with people that are just talking about their teeth and their <laughs> glasses all day. <laughs> anyway, they're talking about their struggles to find true friendships. And we get this all the time. Yes, we do. I, I know people will often comment about our friendship mm-hmm. that they see quite uh, evidently. Uh, it's very clear that it's deep and it's real and... Uh, they want to know what our secret sauce is. Uh, uh, yeah, is there a secret sauce? I think it's a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, longevity. <laughs> <laughs> so wait a decade. Uh, no longevity. As in um, with the friendship. Yeah, truth telling. Yeah. Um, conflict resolution. Yeah. Uh, a genuine desire to stick with the friendship and yeah. the connection. Yeah. To work through the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Like the fun part too, right? Like mm-hmm. we do laugh a lot and we do spur each other on. We do. There's not a lot of lag time between no. conversations <laughs> where there's not some kind of challenge. Like you just challenged me today too. Yeah, that is true. That is true. And I think that uh, when I was their age and when I'm talking about, it was a group of women, they were probably in their 30s or early 40s. Hard to tell because you can never tell with women. Um when I was their 
their age, I sucked at true friendship. Like, oh, me you too. have to remember, I was unhealthy too. I'd like to think I'm much healthier now, but I would I tend to attract those who would lean on me and take from me. And I was just super terrible about being honest about myself and what I needed. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was hurt, uh, first of all, would I even admit it to myself? But even if I did, I would rarely tell them about it. So, of course, these friendships were not reciprocal. And it was based on me projecting this sort of uh, idealized image of this caring, empathetic, wonderful person. And I felt like I had to keep up that front. And so then when the friendships would inevitably fall apart, I didn't know how to fight for them. I would just walk away. Yeah, and 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 here's a question for you too: Is like were some were some of them worth fighting for, and were some of them because you know it was one sided, mm-hmm. like it was best to walk away, right? And that, that's the wisdom of right. that's the wisdom, the pearl of wisdom is right. that when you get to a certain age where you decide I don't have time to make new friends, really, right? Because there's too much history, right? Right. But also, the ones I have, I really want to keep, mm-hmm. and I'm going to fight for those. Well, you and I fought through the early age, too. Like, I mean, we got to know each other, what, 20, 25 years ago? Yeah, about that. Yeah, so you think we were in the height of some of that. But very superficially at that time. Yeah, maybe. But I think that <clears throat> what you said about fighting for the relationship, yeah. well, identifying, first of all, that there is some health and willingness on both your part, our parts, in owning our own stuff. That's right. And being able to be honest. So I th- do think that uh, you absolutely must have honesty and vulnerability, but not honesty in the way that some people think. Like, I'm, I'm just going to tell you how I feel. And then they just, like, vomit all over oh. you. Like, that's just going to damage a relationship. And I've had many instances where people will say, can I be honest with you? And then they just and you take... Wanna, you want to go, no, no. Well, I mean, they, and I say yes, because what does a two do but say yes? And then I end up feeling like I've been ripped apart. Yep. And I know when I look back at that time, they were projecting onto me or they were um, just venting. And I took it so personally. Or they were, their expectations from you were out of line. Right. Yeah, that is very true too. Right? Yeah. So, listeners, mm-hmm. never go to someone and say, can I be honest with you? Yeah. Well, you can do it, but like it has to come in from a place of such humility and love, which means you have to have worked through your own stuff yeah. and how much of it is your own triggers versus right. not. And it's not that I don't tell you about my triggers, mm-hmm. um, but I don't do it hopefully by saying it's your responsibility to manage my triggers, because it's not. But just so you can be sensitive to it when you do A, B, and C, it's going to have this type of a reaction with me. So I'm not saying that you can't have those kinds of conversations, but that when you're being honest, it's with the intent of mutual understanding as opposed to I just need to vent and let it out because I'm so angry and upset with you. Yeah, so kind of my number one takeaway from that from a relational standpoint is... If I'm going to go and talk to a friend of mine mm-hmm. about something, mm-hmm. I have to maybe ask myself first, right. what's my motivation here? Right. Yeah. Is my motivation just to vent, mm-hmm. to retaliate in some way if I've been hurt, mm-hmm. right, to kind of get back? Um like, what is my motivation? And mm-hmm. what's the underlying desire out of me wanting to tell someone, 
you know, I'm just going to tell you how it is. Mm-hmm. Like, what's my underlying motivation there? Yeah, I mean, I see that all the time. I mean, you know, when people talk, you know, I'm just being real. I'm just being real. And you see it on any of those uh, TV shows oh, yeah. that are the um, reality TV. I'm just being real. And then they go and say things that are unkind. Really, it's just to win the argument or to... Um, punish the other person, that's the kind of honesty I'm talking about. This is honesty that's trying to move towards repair. Yes. Because if there's something that you're doing that's sort of a pattern, like if it's a one-off, you're just having a bad day, I'm just forgiving you and we're moving on. But if it's a pattern of something that you're doing that is hurting me, then like I want our relationship to be better. So if I'm not honest with you about it, then how does how do you even get a chance to to, to change or yeah. to be more responsive to what I need. So that's really key, honesty about what we actually need. And that means vulnerability. Mm-hmm. But vulnerability is risky because if you're being vulnerable with somebody who's going to use it against you. Right. Right? Oh, yeah. So you can see how complex it is. So I wasn't trying to give these young women this like flip type of advice Uh, But it really made me think, like, what is it that when I think back to my friendships, the ones that I've endured, what have been the reasons that they've endured? And I think that vulnerability, honesty, and then also persistence to work through stuff, not giving up on yourself or the relationship. Mm -hmm. But then there are other relationships where I think, you know, um, I got into this situation from an unhealthy place. Um, I'm trying to grow and learn. And if the other person is not, then there really is nothing I can do to to really have the deeper friendship. And I remember reading once, I um, can't remember, it was Cloud or Townsend, and they were basically saying that uh, we have to have the honest conversations and let them know if we've been hurt. And you try it a couple times. And if the person is really not responding Mm -hmm. or taking any responsibility for it, then you know that that's not the kind of friendship that you can develop beyond. So those are little tests. Before you walk away, give a try of being honest and then see how the other person reacts. Yeah. And I think that it's, you know, from personality to personality, um, some people can receive a hurt and quickly move on. Right. But others harbor the hurt mm. and um, or are maybe even dismissive of the hurt. Yes. Right. Like and that keeps the that keeps the relationship mm-hmm. at a very superficial level. Mm-hmm. And I have to ask myself, do I want superficial relationships? Like what level of friendship do I want to invest in? Mm-hmm. And we talked about this in our group the other week, mm-hmm. you know, A friendships, B friendships, C friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, you can only have so many A friendships. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the energy it takes to have an A friendship and the work that it takes, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's kind of like marriage, right? Yeah. Where you have to really invest. Yeah. And really, in that A group, you might not have that many, but you just need a few, a couple, yeah, even I'm, just one. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when people look at our friendship and go, I want that, you know, who in your circle would be the A person? Right. And or if, could be. Or could be. I think that's yeah. the good thing is the could be. Yeah. Because uh, as you are work, working on yourself, you're going to have greater clarity about why you attract certain people as friends or or why you tend to be attracted to those kinds of people and why. And as you, you know, this is, our podcast is all about becoming your true self, your mm-hmm. best version of yourself. And those are the best friendships when you can be your true self with the other person. 
um, and not your Instagram pretty self. And you can feel like you can have grace for each other's messiness. Um, and not just that, like, not just grace, but actually to sit in that space where you can be with that person through their messiness. Yep. I totally agree with that. Yeah. And it's it's not, you know, wine, roses, and chocolate. No. It's like the the deeper stuff where there's this kind of sacred knowing mm-hmm. of the space that the other person's in. Right. And being okay with that and yeah. not having to try and fix it or manipulate it or massage it mm-hmm. to make it comfortable. Yeah. Exactly. And I think we try to fix each other too much. I mean, I'm guilty of it all the time. Well, you know. Come Come on. on. You got mess. Let me just clean it up for you. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm an eight, so I'll just, let me just figure that out for you and tell you what to do. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So that's actually having the grace for each other. So like um, you have told me before when I asked you for honest feedback that when I say certain things to try to help you, it's an ouchie for you. And that has been one of the most valuable things you've told me because we don't know how it is to be on the other side of us. And in our desire to be helpful, we can end up hurting each other. And that is never, ever my intent. But I can't know what's hurting you if you're not being honest with me. Exactly. Which bottom line is the secret to our secret sauce, healthy conflict. That's right. And um, listeners, so the other week, um, you know, there was a, a situation that was going on. And um, we were texting back and forth. Yeah. And I received this text from Mary. Mm. And I was telling her this morning, it was the most visceral um, reaction I've ever had to a text from Mary because I could feel her anger, which is not easily expressed by a two. In fact, (laughs) they don't think they have anger. Uh, Apparently. (laughs) (laughs) But I could viscerally feel this anger from her. Mm -hmm. And it really unsettled me. In fact, I had a very restless night that night. And I decided not to reach out to her because because I know um, her well enough that if she thought I was having a reaction, mm-hmm. then she would quickly go into minimizing my reaction. Ah, you know me too well. <laughs> but, but that comes from years and years. Right. And so I let it sit. Mm-hmm. And I was asking myself, what is my part in this? Mm-hmm. Which... You know, we were just talking about that. As I grow and develop as a human being, when I look at conflict, I want to ask myself, what is my part in this conflict? Right. What do I need to own in this conflict? Mm -hmm. And maybe I need to go to Mary and say, what's my part in this conflict from your viewpoint? Mm -hmm. Because I can only see it from my vantage point, which is very filtered Mm -hmm. and very, you know, Mm -hmm. protected. Yeah. So if I can go to you and say, hey, what are you seeing as my part in this? Mm -hmm. And if we could have an honest conversation about that, our parts, Mm -hmm. what we perceive our parts are and what we see from the other person, Mm -hmm. I think that's huge. Well, you just gave a prime example of how you do friendship well, because first of all, you picked up on the fact that I was angry, but you also layered it with the knowledge that I have a hard time feeling my anger, expressing my anger. And you also knew that if you'd reached out to me immediately, I would have been all busy soothing you and being forgetting about what was going on for me. Well, and it would also have triggered your shame. It would have, yes. You know all that, sheepers. See, to be so known. And the fact that I'm even at that place where I can be so open when I'm angry, 
yeah. uh, is a big deal. And, and it was in black and white, so it's not like you say, I didn't say that. <laughs> I might have even used a little curse word in there. No, I don't think you okay. did. All right, I didn't do that. Go that far. That would have really let me know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I mean. And I don't do anger well, but I'm learning to. And I know that for me to have healthy conflict and true, honest, vulnerable connection with other people, that is part of it when people cross my boundaries or when there's hidden expectations. I mean, part of what I was processing through is that in my attempts to be my true self, if I'm not letting people know that they're crossing my boundary or they're pushing back against me in a way that doesn't allow my true self to emerge, because I think people have a vested interest in my remaining that idealized self, which is like strong, yep. takes care of people, yep. I don't have any needs, then, you know, I'm going to stay stuck in that box and I don't want that. Yeah. So, I mean... You need to own your stuff. You also need to be very aware of your stuff and how you feel and be open and honest about it. Right, right. And because, like, you've said this to us before as listeners, you've said that um, our anger is interpreted by other people even before we probably acknowledge it in our own self. Right. Right. So if you're angry with me, I'm picking up on it. Right. Very subtly sometimes. Yeah. But I know it's there. Maybe even before you recognize oh, that absolutely. you're angry. Absolutely. Especially for me, I'm slow to recognize my anger. And the difficulty too is that anger, like you said, you're working on your anger and expressing your anger. And that's a bit messy at times, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's one of those emotions that can, mm -hmm. we all know, can mm -hmm. be so easily go wrong. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that acknowledging that anger is an emotion mm -hmm. and there's something underlying that anger right. and digging down into it um, and being okay mm -hmm. with healthy anger. Right. Yeah. And helping other people get healthy with their anger. Mm -hmm. Which is, uh, you know, as a therapist, one of the hardest emotions for me to receive from clients but yet so essential for their growth. And so over the years, I've learned to be comfortable holding other people's anger right. and not taking it personally. But in close relationships, it is definitely still a struggle for me. Mm -hmm. It's a trigger for me because of my you know, history, but I've learning to be brave more and more around that. Yep. So um, back to conflict, um, before I kind of, there's this really good book called Connection by Bradford and Robin, and I'm just going to kind of walk through some of the pillars of healthy conflict. Great. Um, but before you kind of listen in, maybe if you want to take a pause uh, to think about your current friendships. And, you know, Jillian and I talk about the ABC. A is 100% reciprocal, well, as much as can be. B is sort of your larger group of friends that uh, you enjoy each other when you see each other, but there are really no expectations of each other. And then the C group friends are those that you minister to. And so, and it could be family member, by the way. Yeah, of course. So you have absolutely no expectations of them because your role in that is to give to them. And that has to have very, very clear boundaries. But if you think your A circle, as you think about them, you know, you do need to be able to be honest with them about how you feel. And if they're defensive, 
um, which is okay because we all have our defensive moments, but can they think about it and are they able to own their stuff and are they truly teachable? And if not, then that's not a safe person for your A group. That's right. So they have to be able to hear when you speak truth to them about what's going on for you and they have to be able to own and take responsibility for their part. Yep. Um, and they have to be teachable. So those are the things that you're looking for in your A group friends. So, you know, take some time to think about that. And if you don't have any A group friends, it's okay. Yeah. It's, it's just to be able to say that that's the goal I'm working towards. And then now I'm learning to be more discerning about the kind of friends. And chances are you may have people like that in your corner. You just haven't moved them to that group yet because you, ha- you yourself haven't let down your guard and become more vulnerable with them. I was coaching someone a little while ago, um, really smart, capable woman, uh, you know, leader, like just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And when we were talking about it, we were talking about um, her boundaries. And she says, um, well, I just jokingly say that I'm a collector of people. Mm-hmm. And we laughed about that. And she said, I can laugh about it now, but mm. I was a collector of people right. because I could help people. Mm. But they weren't helping me. Mm. So she was collecting all this C group mm-hmm. and wondering where her needs were being met because she wasn't developing any B or A friends. Right. And was caught up in this kind of vortex mm-hmm. of always being the giver. Mm-hmm. And then where does that lead? Right. It leads to burnout. Yeah. It leads to yeah. frustration. It leads mm-hmm. to bitterness. Mm-hmm. Um, because we all have needs and they need to be met. Right. And if they're not being met, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's a really, you know, it's hard to acknowledge that. It is. It is. But before we dig into the pillars, Mm -hmm. I mean, take stock. Take stock. Yeah. And by the way, when we're talking about having our needs met, it isn't typically in any one person. No. Uh, It typically is in several relationships that you have that play different roles for different needs that you have. And there may be some needs this side of heaven that are not possible for to be met for a variety of reasons. Um, and that's a deeper conversation right there. But we're just talking about, at this point, sort of relational health. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. there's a give and take, re- reciprocity. Um, somebody genuinely knows you, cares about your mm-hmm. stuff, and is open to feedback from you. That's kind of what we're talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. good stuff. So an argument <clears throat> has three pillars, uh, which Bradford and Robin describe as realities, which is really, really important to keep in mind when you're thinking about conflict. So there is, number one, your intention and motivation, which only you can see. Oh, that's a bingo, bango bongo right there. Right there, exactly. Second... Your behavior, which everyone can see. And then third, the effect of your behavior, which only the other person can see. Wow. Yeah. That is good. Isn't that good? So often where we get into trouble is we make comments about uh, the other person's intentions and motivations. And only they can see it. Mm Mm-hmm. Or if somebody accuses me about my motivations, only I can see it. The only thing that we can comment on that both sides can see is the behavior or the words, the actions. Yeah. It's not each other's internal motivation. And also, I can't say to you, well, I can tell you're really upset with what I'm saying. Like I'm already labeling your reaction to mm-hmm. 
to what I've just said or done. And that's your side of the fence or the net, as they call it. So we think we know, but really it's a guess. And when you cross that net, that's where we get defensiveness and it leaves us vulnerable to endless rebuttals. So you want to just kind of like defend yourself when people cross the net and like, no, that's not what I meant. No, that's not what I intended. And then you get all defensive about it. And the actual thing that you're trying to address is the behavior that was hurtful. Right. Right. Oh, man, this is, yeah, this is such a good analogy. Mm -hmm. Wow. Right. So uh, for those who are struggling to stay in their side of the net, which, hello, I'm raising my hand here. (laughs) Oh, I'm over the net. (laughs) All the time. (laughs) I think I lie on the net. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm full on the other side of the net. Okay. So um, Robin says you need to eliminate two words. So it is grammatically impossible to express a feeling in English followed by the word that or like. Like, I feel that angry. I feel that disappointed. I feel like happy. No, it's not grammatically impossible. It is grammatically impossible. So you have to drop like and that. Okay. And get disciplined about just I feel. So instead of saying, I feel that disappointed, I'm just going to say, I feel disappointed. Or if I say to you, I feel that you weren't really thinking about Uh, me when you said that thing. Oh, yeah. I feel like you're not listening to me. Ooh. <laughs> That's kind of like wishy-washy. So when you remove the that and the like, it right. becomes very clear. It's just I'm expressing my side of the net. Yes. So as soon as I go into like and that, I'm interpreting your side of the net. Oh, I feel so convicted at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it is? Okay. Part of maybe where you feel convicted is they go on to say that trying to figure out each other's motivations is a way for people to get a sense of control. (laughs) Okay, stop. (laughs) I feel... (laughs) I feel targeted by this conversation. Isn't that great? Oh, my gosh. So... uh, If you can let go of trying to figure out the other person's motivation and and you can try to stop communicating my feelings as an indirect way of trying to get at your motivation. Oh, yeah. I feel like you're attacking me. Yeah, it's it's subversive, but it's like I can see how I've done that and I can see how that's been used against me as well. Oh, yeah. that's well, the la- such a good insight. Oh, my. Yeah. And I'm, as I was reading this, I was thinking about the last time I was really, really hurt in a relationship was, uh, and I've said this to you before, was when I felt that the other person was questioning my motivations. Yeah. I mean, I've done bad things behaviorally and I've said the wrong things. Absolutely. But when you question my motivations and say, I'm trying to do this or that, Oh my gosh, like that's the surest way of 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 making me want to back away from that relationship. Yes. Because you've crossed the net there. Yep. So um so <laughs> you know, part of the problem is here we are, like we're all about the inner self, but we love looking at other people's inner selves too. Oh, goodness, do we ever? Right? We like yeah. to analyze people. Yeah. Which means that we can question people's motivations. And even if we're possibly right. It's not helpful in a conflict. No, it's not. Because that's also where if the other person can own their own motivation and it's maybe not such a positive motivation, that can lead to a lot of healing. 
Yeah, and I think sometimes, too, that when we're questioning the person's motivation, we're getting away from the conflict, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're, we're kind of targeting the individual rather than what the conflict is about. Exactly. And that can take things offside really exactly. fast. Exactly. Yeah, when you impugn somebody's character. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, none of us are perfect at all. And you could very well be pointing out a flaw in my character for sure. But when you're in the midst of a conflict, that's not the time to point it out. So here's a question for you. Mm. Um, Do you think that, I'm just going to use myself as an example. Do you think that when I'm looking at someone's motivation, Mm. I'm actually really projecting maybe what's going on inside of me in terms Mm. of my motivation Mm. on them? Wow, that is a good question. I wonder if you're projecting your triggers on them. Could be. So, uh, like, talking about uh, the fact that anger is a trigger for me. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's angry at me, like the last time Peter expressed anger towards me, I was projecting onto him uh, that he was trying to control and shut me down and all sorts of things, which is so not what he was doing. Right. So had I responded, and maybe in that last fight I did respond in a way as if I felt like he was controlling me uh, or putting me down— then it didn't really go anywhere. Whereas if I said to him, you know, when you talk in a loud voice, I feel dismissed or smaller or whatever the emotion I want to put into it, that's different. So we're not going to do it perfectly, but it's when you do insert action, right? then I feel insert feeling. right? So you're just kind of going like the, the behavior you see Yep. And then you're owning up, you're part of the net, which is your uh, the effect of that person's behavior on you. So good. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's so simple to look at it. Don't question the other person's motivation. You can observe each other's behavior. And if the behavior hurts you, you can reflect your side of the net, which is when you do a certain behavior, the feeling that comes up in me is this. Yeah. And I have to own that sometimes those feelings come out of my own triggers or my own misinterpretations. And that's where conflict, of course. you get to work it out. Well, I didn't intend that. Oh, okay. Well, what did you intend? Right. Right? We get all defensive and then it just spirals. Mm-hmm. Could you go through the three pillars again? Because they're so good. Yes. So <clears throat> number one, your side of the net, which right. is your intention and motivation, which only you can see. Okay. So your inner stuff. Number two... Your behavior, which everyone can see. Mm -hmm. And then number three, the effect of your behavior, which only the other person can see. Right. Which is their side of the net. Okay. Oh, Isn't that great? Yeah, it's so good. Mm -hmm. So I think that, uh, and and of course, they go on to say that one of the biggest relationship challenges is that people don't tell each other the truth about their feelings or the impact of someone's behavior. Like, how many times are we in a group of of people and people have certain habits that drives everybody nuts, but nobody ever tells them. So they have no clue. Yeah. Right? So like if we're not we have to love each other enough to be honest with them about the impact of their behavior on us. Which takes vulnerability. And it takes teachability and reciprocity too. Right. Right? It just does. It does. It does. And they go on to say that the main hallmarks of building strong relationships starts with disclosure. Mm. So you have to be willing and allow yourself to be known by the other person. 
Wow. Yeah. And the end of the day, they stress that it's really a choice. If you say, I can't, then you have to say you choose not to. You know, that's very, very true. Mm -hmm. And I think that I think of all the things that I've said I can't, Mm -hmm. and it's just me choosing not to do the work. Right. Because the work is hard. It is hard. Yeah. And getting back to that, what started this conversation about friendship, deep friendships, deep friendships take a lot of work and they are hard. They're not easy. Mm -hmm. Um, Superficial relationships are very easy. Mm -hmm. The kinds that, you know, you don't see someone for a year and you just pick up where you left off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a superficial relationship. You're having a good time with each other. You don't really do the work throughout the year and you just sort of pick up. Mm -hmm. But the deep friendships take a lot of work. They are like a marriage where it is an investment Mm -hmm. of self Mm -hmm. and an investment of growth and investment of teachability. Right. And the thing that's so great about it, you listeners, as you are so invested in your own personal growth, is that even if you mess up and you choose uh, unwisely some people to be friends with or you mess up how you handle the conflict, the whole thing about personal growth is that you are able to be reflective. You're able to own and take responsibility for your mistakes yep. and do better and grow exactly. from it. So like relationships, while one of the hardest things on the face of the planet, are a prime, prime place to learn more about yourself and to grow and to change. And uh, you can do better every single time. Because you're your own lab rat. That's right. Exactly. So like there's like, like it's a win-win all the way around. And at the end of it, you may actually end up with fabulous friendships. So there you go. So those are the three pillars. And uh, back to what I started the uh, podcast earlier to say about to do the reflection on your ABC friends, like Mm -hmm. literally sit down with a piece of paper, do that. And then be intentional uh, intentional about next steps, about maybe building on those A friendships. Or if you don't have any A friends, you know, really praying and thinking about who might be your B friend that you could move up to the A friend. And just recognize that this is a journey and it's going to take time and that's okay. Yep. Good stuff. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Take care. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Fully Lived Life podcast. We hope you found it encouraging and helpful. Be sure to follow or subscribe so that you never miss a new episode. And if you enjoyed our show, please help spread the word by sharing with your friends and family and posting on your social media. Thanks for listening and tune in to our next episode.